Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more and visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guests Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. Seton Motley is the founder of President Less Government. will be with us as well. It is November the 1st, and on this day in 1955, Rosa Parks was jailed for refusing to give up her seat on a public bus to white men a violation of the city's racial segregation laws, a successful uh, Montgomery bus boycott organized by the young Baptist minister named Martin Luther King Jr., followed Park's historic act of civil disobedience. The mother of the Civil Rights Act movement, as Rosa Parks is known, was born in Tuskegee, Alabama. In 1913, she worked as a seamstress and in 1943 joined the Montgomery chapter of the National Association of Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP. According to Montgomery City Ordinance 1955, African Americans were required to sit at the back of the public buses and were also obligated to give up those seats to white riders if the front of the bus filled up. Parks was in her uh, first row of the black section when a white driver demanded that she give up her seat to a white man. Parks' refusal was spontaneous, but it was not merely brought on by her tired feet, as is popular legend. In fact, local civil rights leaders had been planning a challenge to the Montgomery's racist bus laws for several months, and Park had been privy to the discussion. Learning of Park's arrest, the NAACP and other African-American activists immediately called for a bus boycott to be held by black citizens on Monday, December the 5th. Word spread by flyers and activists formed the Montgomery Improvement Association to organize the protest. The first day of the bus boycott was a great success, and that night the 26-year-old Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. told a large crowd gathered at the church, the great glory of American democracy is the right to protest for right. King emerged as the leader of the bus boycott and received numerous death threats for opponents of integration. At one point, his home was bombed, but he and his family escaped bodily harm. The boycott stretched on for more than a year, and participants carpooled or walked miles to work and school, whether uh, or another means were not possible. As African Americans previously constituted 70% of Montgomery bus ridership, the municipal transit, transit system suffered gravely during the boycott. On November the 13th, 1956, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Alabama state and Montgomery City bus segregation laws as being in violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. On December the 20th, King issued the following statement, The year-old uh, protest against city buses is officially called off, and the Negro citizens of Montgomery are now urged to return to the buses tomorrow on a non-segregated basis. The boycott ended the next day. Rosa Parks was among the first to ride the newly de- desegregated buses. Martin Luther King Jr. and his nonviolent civil rights movement had won its first great victory. There would be many more to come. Rosa Parks died on October the 24th, 2005. Three days later, the U.S. Senate passed a resolution to honor Parks by allowing her body to lie in state in honor in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. 
tremendous act of bravery by Rosa Parks and a major victory for uh, equal treatment for all under the 14th Amendment. While the U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments Monday in a pair of cases that could overturn the use of racial preferences in college admissions, focusing on challenges to reaffirm action policies at Harvard University and the University of North Carolina. In both cases, the plaintiff is a nonprofit group called Students for Fair Admissions, which alleges that affirmative action policies discriminate against Asian Americans who otherwise would comprise a larger share of the student body at both colleges. In Regents of the University of California versus Bakke in 1978, the court permitted the use of affirmative action in college admissions to achieve diversity, provided it did not operate like a quota system. That holding was later limited by two cases, the University of Michigan in 2003, Gratz struck down at an undergraduate policy that gave points to applicants based on race. And by the way, I met her. She and her husband own a microbrewery up in uh, Fort Myers, really interesting woman. Anyhow, she won that case, and Gruder upheld a law school policy that considered race as a factor but did not assign points to applicants. The cases are being heard together. Both the one against Harvard involves a private university, and the one against the University of North Carolina involves a public one. The 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause only applies to private institutions when they take federal money. The case against Harvard focuses on civil rights laws. The case against the uh, University of North Carolina, Carolina is a broader constitutional case. Now, the following statement was issued by CFJ, President Kurt Levy. He's been a guest on the show many times, a brilliant lawyer, who litigated Grutter versus Bollinger along with his colleagues at the Center for Individual Rights. Harvard University's 100 years of racial discrimination is in the name of furthering an amorphous interest in diversity is enough. Only the Supreme Court could put an end to this pernicious practice, and its time is now. As our brief uh, points out, racial balancing at universities like Harvard has a long and deplorable pedigree. Roughly a century ago, Harvard maintained a holistic admissions process designed to limit the number of Jewish students enrolled at the university under the guise of seeking, quote-unquote, diversity. Today, the same excuse is used to limit the number of Asian American students. In the 20s and 30s, Harvard gave applicants ratings such as J1, J2, J3 to indicate the weight of the evidence indicating the student was Jewish. Today, students' college guidebooks, like the Princeton Review, sadly must instruct Asian Americans' applicants to distance themselves as much as possible from Asian stereotypes. Recognizing the college obsession with racial composition of their student body was continuing to produce noxious results. The Supreme Court warned in Grutter in 2003 against enshrining a permanent justification for racial preferences. The court stated that it's been 25 years since Justice Powell first approved the use of race to further an interest in student body diversity. We expect that 25 years from now, the use of racial preferences will no longer be necessary. Well, nearly 20 of those 25 years have now passed, and schools show every sign of enshrining a permanent justification for racial preferences. Rather than slowly going away, our brief notes, racial balancing has spread to K-12 education, where it is now depriving children of spots at some of the best public schools in the nation solely because of their race. Rather than witnessing the amelioration of racial disparities in academic performance, research indicates students who receive racial preference are more likely to transfer to other schools, take longer to graduate, and are less satisfied with their college experience. 
At best, race-based admissions is an experiment that has failed, and it's time for the Supreme Court to end the resulting century of discrimination. And uh, to uh, Powell's, Justice Powell's uh, credit, I mean, it may have been necessary 25 years ago, but it certainly is no longer, and it is a pock on, on, the, uh, on the whole system, in, whether it's college admissions, racial diversity, racial preferences just does not belong in our society. It should be equal protection for all, according to the 14th Amendment. So I wanted to make, uh, bring this to our attention. Again, it's being reviewed on Monday, the oral arguments. I'm sure we won't hear the, hear the uh, results until June, but nevertheless, extremely important case. Well, uh, Saratoga County Supreme Court Justice Diane Freestone on Friday ruled that allowing New York residents to vote by mail due to fear of COVID is unconstitutional. Another victory for freedom. Freestone said that the Democrat-controlled state legislature appears poised to continue the expanded absentee voting provisions of New York state election law in an Orwellian perpetual state of health emergency and cloaked in the veneer of voter enfranchisement. Rejecting arguments made by a lawyer for a state board of elections at a hearing earlier this month, Freestone said that there are uncounted reasons for the court to second-guess the wisdom of the legislature. Judge Freestone ordered uh, local boards of elections to stop counting the absentee ballots that they've already received for the November 8th midterm elections. The judge stopped short of invalidating absentee ballots that have already been cast. Instead, the judge ruled that officials will have to preserve the ballots until the election day or the resolution of a pending suit filed by state and local Republican and conservative party leaders. The state's Democrat leading uh, leaders have appealed the ruling and moved for a stay, which could temporarily block the order from going into effect during the appeals process. The judge ruling could lead to the overturning of a state law that blocks people from changing their mail-in votes by showing up to cast an in-person ballot on Election Day. That scenario, an analyst say, could hurt Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul, who's been losing ground to Republican challenger Lee Zeldin in recent polls. In fact, Lee Zeldin, the latest poll, has now taken the lead. Last year, New York voters rejected a proposal constitutional amendment that would have allowed no-excuse absentee ba- voting, but the Democrat-led legislature subsequently enacted a measure that allowed people to vote by mail if they feared catching COVID if they voted in person. That expansion of absentee voting is set to expire at the end of this year. Uh, State Board of Education uh, of Elections said Friday, our office is still reviewing the ruling and its impact on uh, upcoming election. Sound familiar? Well, of course, Fox affiliate prematurely called Arizona's governor election. Meanwhile, in Arizona, at uh, Republican Carrie Lake continues to expand her lead over Democrat Kathy Hobbs or Katie Hobbs in a race for the governor. A local uh, news outlet mistakenly published a widget on Thursday showing Hobbs winning the race by a significant margin. In any event, uh, according to Fox 10, they said it was just a mistake. <laughs> they were just uh, practicing. It was a test, they say. But in other words, given that Lake is up 11 points to the latest polls, wouldn't a mistakenly released graphic have Lake at least being the winner? So there's a lot of chicanery going on. We have to watch the results. Again, the Republican Party has hired 70,000 uh, poll watchers across the country. That, In addition to this precinct captains that will be watching the results of the polls. So uh, this will be a very proactive election with uh, if they're going to be if there's going to be chicanery, they're going to have to be awfully clever because uh, 
We're looking for it, and we're watching for it. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples, longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. We're going to be talking about what's happening with uh, uh, social media and uh, the FBI. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can find out more. And get tickets by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Right now, we have with us my wife, Linda Harden, always informed about what's happening nationally and locally. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you. So I was shocked to hear that the Homeland Security, the Department of Homeland Security, has been working hand-in-hand for the last couple of years uh, with big tech to moderate uh, content. And this is the most egregious thing I've ever heard. Well, you're talking to a victim of... of That's that. right. 
by the way. Tell us about uh, it. Well, so uh, I was banned from Twitter permanently, twice. Uh, still, I don't know why. I have no idea why. Um, because I, uh, uh, I went against their community guidelines or whatever that means. And as, uh, I, as I recall, this is because you simply reposted something that somebody else posted. No, that was Facebook. Okay. That was Facebook. Twitter, <laughs> I, I have no idea what, why um, I was banned from, from Twitter. So um, it's going to be so interesting to see how Elon Musk handles that whole situation. As someone emailed me yesterday saying, oh, well, are you going to go back on Twitter? And I, I said, you know what, I put in an appeal, but he's got bigger fish to fry than me. So, so I, I don't really care one way or the other because I'm on, I'm on a lot of free social media platforms um, after that. But still, the fact that they banned me and banned conservatives across the board... For for um, truth tellers, for, for, doctors. Uh, yeah, I mean they they banned Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. McCullough. I mean, I'm I'm small potatoes com- compared to the, the the big names that they have banned who spoke out uh, spoke the truth. And then on Facebook, you're right. I I just reposted what Jack Posobiec. You know, Jack. We follow him from uh, Bannon's War Room, and he's just he's a former intelligence officer. Um, Speaks fluent Chinese. Mandarin and, and Mandarin. Um, he's on top of everything. So I I posted reposted what he um, posted, and I was banned. I, I was given a thirty day jail sentence right over the election. Oh, by the way, which I think was not an accident, because the the Facebook um, gremlins, as soon as I posted that, came down on me hard, saying, "Boom, you're ba- you're um, banned for thirty days," and. Uh, they said, would you like to appeal it? And I said, yes, I'd like to appeal it. They said, oops, we don't have enough people to listen to your appeal. So, And then my third experience was what I was I, telling people at dinner about the other night was Google. Google is awful. I've had a history w- uh, with Google for a long time. When Before I started uh, Greetings from Paradise, Google, I was sending out my newsletter and Google was um, was making it difficult because they said I was selling something, which I was not. I was just talking about how wonderful it was in, in Naples, and, and they just got rid of my whole mailing list. So, so now uh, Google is, uh, because I put, out, you know, I put out all this stuff about what's going on, about the COVID hoax and about all this other stuff that's going on in the world, and all of a sudden, every, every month or so, they just ditch all my emails they just delete your emails yep this is just egregious this ca- cannot go on so you obviously got to change carriers you can't do gmail anymore but uh, then it'll be this all kind of leads up to the story of the fact first first of all elon musk coming to the rescue everything he's done up to this point makes entire sense to me i'm really pleased that uh, he's uh, allowing people back on to uh, to twitter well and and the chief twits and <laughs> And, yeah, he called himself the chief twit, which I think he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, while he's taking on this this mammoth task of cleaning up Twitter, he has time to fact-check Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. Oh, by the way, since he fact-checked Hillary Clinton, she has not said, said boo peep <laughs> since on Twitter. The, the left is running around with their hair on fire because Twitter was their means of communication. Yeah. They, they were in their own echo chamber, and no conservatives were allowed on it. Pretty much. I mean, that's an example. Or not allowed to say what they what they really believe. Well, right. Without um, Mark Fincham, who's running for um, uh, Secretary, Secretary of State, State in, in Arizona, Arizona. Was, was one of the 
people that Elon Musk hasn't fired yet. Uh, well, he was. He actually was kicked off of, well, and, he, and he let him back on he uh, let him, Twitter. He let him back on. So, uh, again, that's got to be, the left is just running around with their hair on fire, just going, we don't, he can't do that. He yeah, can't he do that. He's trying this, to create a level playing field. I know. Field. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's not allowing us to cheat, my goodness. So it's, it's really refreshing. However, when you look at the depth of what the crimes that have been committed, in my opinion, where you have a, a consortium of uh, social media companies, including Google and Facebook and Twitter and others that are getting together with the FBI and having biweekly meetings on what is, uh, what is inappropriate content. Well, I, this director of Homeland Security should be in um, an orange jumpsuit and should have been in a long time ago. That Alejandro Mayorkas yeah. is just a total, I mean, he's, don't even get me started. Uh, but, the fact, he, but the fact that he, they're, they're trying to censor people. You know what, you know, I was, just to, to put a, a big title on this, um, they have been getting away with, with this stuff for the American people for so long. Yeah. And, and now, they, um, because of Donald Trump, because of people like Steve Bannon, because of uh, like Naomi Wolf and, and Natalie Winters, who we watched on Bannon last night, it was, it was so, they were so great. And, and they have awakened a sleeping giant. And people are not stupid. Their eyes have been opened, and they've had enough. Well, as, as Steve Bannon said, you know, he said, people said that they're praying for him. He says, don't pray for me. Pray for my enemies. <laughs> Because I'm coming and coming hard, so uh, coming in hot, coming in hot. Boris <laughs> Epstein, pretty, pretty amazing. Still, I just want to just draw attention to how egregious this behavior is. Can it ever be corrected? I only hope that the midterm elections that we'll see not only these uh, these people who are for liberty elected, but also change the change the tone and the and the culture in Congress, where they do something in order to prevent this kind of egregious behavior. You know what? I just have to make a mention. I'm sure you've talked about it. Uh, a lot, but um, they're the left and all these um, pollster companies are just just going in hot and trying to um, sway people's voting by by putting in polls that just aren't even true. And thank goodness Fox is finally saying, well. Um, uh, this person is ahead, like Mark Kelly's ahead in, in Arizona, but this other poll says that that he and Blake Masters are dead even. So, I don't I, think you can trust the polls. Um, and, it, and I come to this point, I, I repeat this point often, but who in their right mind, if you're a conservative, would admit it to a stranger on the phone <laughs> with, with the police state being what it is right now? Well, it's, it's the truth. And, and, but more and more, I mean, they're, they're going to put these poll, polling companies out of business because your point is exactly right. Nobody talks to them anymore. I mean, there there are a few that are good, like Rasmussen Reports and Richard Barris. Right. Um, but but the rest of them, like they quoted a, a New York Times uh, poll this morning. Really? Who on earth would ever believe anything the New York Times said about anything? Well, this is the this is the problem that we have right now. Uh, mainstream media has lost credibility. FBI's lost credibility. Department of Justice lost credibility. CDC lost credibility. The media. We and we're not trusting. We're not trusting these folks anymore. I mean, they they cried wolf too often, and uh, now I think there's going to be hell to pay when it comes time for the uh, Demo for the Republicans to take over in Congress. The media has lost credibility. CNN is in the tank as far as uh, viewership. I told you that this Chris Wallace, who who was paid six million dollars or something to have this special show on CNN Plus. CNN Plus lasted like five minutes, and and so and now he has got this show on Sunday evenings. 
um, across from Trey Gowdy, he got 43,000 listeners or watchers to his show, which is, uh, CNN has got to be pulling their hair out going, what a horrible mistake we made to put to pay this guy six yeah, well, million. Yeah, well, don't you think he's thinking he made a, a mistake as well? Well, he, he deserves it. He's just yeah, don't he, even get me started. He's on a that. loser. But, <laughs> but but just the the media, the newspapers. You and I commented yesterday. We got the Naples Daily News. It was almost not there. It was almost non-existent. The whole paper was like six pages. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, USA Today, this this whole mainstream media, I think they're going to have to adjust their game plan because right now they're losing credibility and therefore they're losing uh, money and profitability as well. Linda, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Okay. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, uh, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out my, more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Kathleen, I know you really had your shoulder to the wheel with regard to these elections coming up. <laughs> How are things looking? I, I, uh, I couldn't be more proud of the work that uh, my colleagues and staff and campaign workers and volunteers have uh, been doing. Um, we, just, we have great candidates. We're getting great results. Um, the Democrats have terrible candidates, and so 
uh, you know, I think we're going to do extremely well in uh, next Tuesday. Was uh, I read that the uh, Repub- the Democrat Party has pulled up stakes. They've, they've, uh, they're not putting any more money into Florida. I think that's a major, major victory for the Republican Party. Oh, no question. Um, you know, it's our message. And, and what the governor has been doing in Florida, uh, you know, I saw, I'm sure you saw the debate last week. Everything um, is just falling in place. Uh, we've been disciplined. We've worked really hard. We've got our message uh, across. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to next Tuesday night and then getting back to work. Absolutely. This little dust-up in Orlando with regard to voter fraud and uh, bundling of, uh, of votes, I don't know if you heard about that, but that's that surprised me that could be coming out of the state of Florida. Yeah, uh I, I'm honestly not familiar with what's going on in Orlando. I've been uh, focused mainly on uh, Senate campaigns, but um, I, you know, it's not going to make a difference yeah. uh, at all. And uh, you know, we just keep uh, keep our nose to the grindstone and keep uh, you know keep getting our message across. And and I I think we're going to do really well. I mean, from the top down, we're going to have we're going to take the governor obviously in cabinet. Um, the state senate will hopefully have a supermajority. Same thing in the House. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to actually govern. What, is a, what does a supermajority mean in the Senate? In, in other words, uh, does it uh, allow, what, what can it help us achieve? Well, um, there are a number of things that you need a supermajority for. A lot of it's procedural. So right now, we, you know, we have 40 senators. A supermajority would be 27. Uh, currently, we have 24 Republicans. Uh, so we need to pick up three more, and, and frankly, I'm, I'm hoping for 28, which would be unheard of, uh, never happened before. And um, either way, procedural things in terms of uh, when you could remove things, add things, do things, uh, and that helps when, when, you're, when you're working through the bill process and the budget process. Also, public records exemption and certain other uh, if we're going to do a constitutional amendment uh, provision, it's, it makes life easier. Um, you know, and frankly, I, I intend, uh, I don't intend to be um, overbearing. I, I just want to do good work for the state. And, and I think that's how my colleagues feel. And, you know, we, we need to, we need to separate uh, those members in the Democratic Party who actually want to also do good things from the people that want to do, you know, from the real far-right progressives. And we ha- we will have one or two of those in the Senate, but hopefully not that, you know, not too many in the House. Yeah, just to remind our listeners that you're going to become the president of the Senate uh, in the next legislative session, which means that you'll be pretty much calling the shots with regard to <laughs> the agenda, huh? Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, and, and the thing about it is our agenda, there's so much we have to do. Yeah, we, we have to focus on the issues relating to Hurricane Ian. They're going to be massive, whether it's fiscal or policy provisions. So that's going to take a lot of time. But we also have the, um, the everyday business of governance. And, you know, my, as I've talked to you, my number one priority is uh, workforce housing and, and, and the like. Um, and that's a nonpartisan issue. Uh, I want to do it our way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Democrats want to kind of freeze rents and, 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 and make it harder on businesses. I want to 
make it easier on businesses to, um, you know, provide the workforce housing. So it's a different philosophy, but we're going to get there. Absolutely. I think you can accomplish a lot by using free markets and just, uh, for example, exactly. using uh, reducing the fees or, or the uh, right. the mandates exactly. for uh, for exactly. the size of lots, all these types of things, I think, can really. That's right. So it's pretty much we'll be working with the counties in order to make pull this off. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think there's a will uh, for, for them. They realize, you know, there's no place for people who, you know, for the average uh, middle income worker to live, it, particularly right now in Collier County, uh, people that actually have significant resources can't find places. So, right. Well, I just, um, of course, uh, as we're seeing other states where real estate markets are getting hammered, the fact of the matter is that we got more and more people moving down here. So the real right. estate is scarce. It's it's difficult to uh, find a place to live for people who've been especially been displaced because of the storm. There's no exactly. place to rent. There's no place. There's nothing. So uh, fortunately, the FEMA is, is bringing uh, trailers down. That'll be a good thing. Exactly. Yeah, there's, we have a lot of initiatives that we're, we're working on right now. Well, again, uh, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Any final message that you'd like to leave for our uh, listeners as we're approaching the final week of the election? Make sure you vote. Yeah. <laughs> Get out and vote. <laughs> Whether you, uh, I wouldn't drop it in the mail right now. We're getting too close to the election. I think the, the deadline, I'm not sure when the mail is, but drop it in, the, in a drop box. Go to the polls, uh, vote. Yeah, you can just drive it down. Call your county to get 100% Republican voters. There you go. Go Take your vote down to the supervisor elections office. That's what we did. We didn't even trust the U.S. mail. (laughs) I mailed it in. You know, the good thing is when you mail it in, I mailed it in right after I got it, but they, you know, they they send you a note that they've got it and it's counted. So I'm good. Absolutely. Uh, pretty pretty remarkable and uh, sustained uh, system to help uh, people understand where they stand with regard to voting. So, again, exactly. Kathleen, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting uh, uh, Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University.
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder of and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing well, and I have to say that last Sunday I went up with some friends to see with my own eyes what Fort Myers Beach looks like after the hurricane, and the reason we picked Sunday is we figured that a lot of the big trucks and a lot of the work that was being done would not be done on Sunday, Sure. and to some degree it was, they were right, but Bob, I got to tell you, it is horrific. It is so much worse than what you think it is and what you see on TV. This is a month afterward. The debris, the mountains of debris, almost like a half a mile long and it's 12 feet high of just drywall and carpeting and furniture and cement. It is so awful. It's, it's your eyes just bug out of your head and they have these huge uh, trailers of people that have come in for restoration. That they're sort of disaster relief people. Mm-hmm. And they're just big semis there that where people come and sleep, you know, that travel around with these uh, restoration companies and disaster relief to help everybody. But there are huge areas where there were trailer parks and they're gone. Yeah. They're just gone. And homes that are just, were just, blown apart by the sun, I'm sorry, by the uh, wind and the rain, it is tragic. And storm surge as well. I mean, you're absolutely, you know, for those of us that have gone through it, we have some idea of what what, uh, the the ferocity, the the damage that was done. For others that may not have experienced it, it's kind of an abstract intellectual concept. You know, they kind of think they're coming down here and why hasn't this been cleaned up yet, you know? But it was just... Well, I think, and again, the storm surge was just so incredible and so harmful, so disastrous. People lost their lives. People lost everything they had. And I feel so badly for these people. Oh, my heavens. But you you see the level of destruction and how horrific it had to have been to go through it. Yeah. Um, It all, all, boats just piled up on top of each other like they're tinker toys and... You know, the wind just kind of picked them up and dumped them on top of cars, and it's, it is just 
Oh, my goodness. You know, Mother Nature can be ferocious when she wants to be, and that's certainly a good example. And to tell you the truth, I mean, they have these massive trucks that are where they're dumping all this debris into. Where are they putting all of this? I mean, I think you could build a ski hill. Yeah. You know, uh, my friend had a home on uh, Fort Myers Beach, and uh, washed away. It's gone. They, now there's a lot there. But he had the, the home is a three-story home gone. It's just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to see it to believe it. Um, it is. There are lots of areas like that where the homes are gone. And I didn't go down side streets because I thought, oh, you know, what if there are nails or, you know, bad, you sure. know stuff. But <clears throat> there were side streets where there there were homes there. <clears throat> and they're just not there anymore. They're just gone. Yeah, that's very tragic indeed. Well, we're and ver- I, I don't think with the new building codes, I don't think that when they rebuild Fort Myers, and they will, you know, we're an industrious nation and we'll rebuild for sure, but it won't be the old charm of Fort Myers and, and the fishing shacks and I, I don't know. I don't see, I don't think they can rebuild like that anymore. No. <clears throat> That's why some of the damage was so bad is that these houses were so old and not built up to code that they just couldn't withstand the, the wind. Well, I will say and this, that uh, for those that are thinking about changing uh, and making big changes with regard to their property, I would suggest to people to, uh, I'm not an expert on this, but I would suggest Get your permits now and start rebuilding, or at least making a plan to rebuild, because quite frankly, I think things are going to toughen up when it comes to rebuilding on the beach. Right now, I think they're pretty lax with regard to permitting uh, because people are in the situation they're in, but I think that could mm-hmm. change down the road. So uh, if, if you lost a property, you want to st- still have a property on the, on the lot that you own, get started now, I'd suggest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that all the zoning... And building restrictions will be much stricter. You know, Boo, you mentioned something off air that uh, I have no idea what it is, but something around ambient computing. What's that all about? Well, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a scenario, that, and this is in the non-too-distant future. So you wake up, you're awake in the morning by the gentle sounds of, of uh, uh, an alarm clock, that uses radar to track your breathing and then wakes you gently with sound and light. So then, because it has been able to detect that you're in a lighter phase of sleep, then you transition into wakefulness, and that triggers a cascade of changes in your apartment. Your window shades open uh, automatically. The kitchen, In the kitchen, the coffee starts brewing. You brush your teeth, and then you look into the sink or into the mirror, and a display projects onto the mirror that shows your calendar, highlights what time you have to leave to get to your office for a meeting at 8.30. And then the mirror also suggests, based on your schedule and the weather outfits, it displays different outfits. So it's all augmented reality that is, it's called ambient computing or ambient I don't know, I suppose it's ambient computing. And you think, oh, all these things seem so far-fetched. Um, but then you think, would you have visualized uh, Alexa and how yeah. you use Alexa? And I'm saying it right now, and it just turned on. Um, Sometimes she know, turns on at the wrong time, your... doesn't she? She just starts speaking up. <laughs> right, you just start it up. 
I mean, there's so many things that we're surrounded by computers. They talk about smart buildings or smart clothing or smart watches. Well, I think that we are just on the cusp of how they're going to integrate that even more into our lives, beginning from a, a clock that can tell when you're in a lighter phase of sleep and gently wakes you up and automatically your shades open. It's, it's, and it seems crazy. I think this is in the near future. I'm sure it is. And if, just on top of that, just add 5G, uh, the Internet of Things, so uh, that you, a, a car, uh, if you're on the street and uh, you're, you're the only car coming one way, it'll, the light will change for you. I mean, everything will be kind of connected to the Internet, which is, but, but all this, I mean, there's a dark side to it. I, I find it a little bit creepy, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, because, you know, the information that it's gathering, like your heart rate, your I mean, who has access to all this information? It isn't just you. Right. It's out there. So it's out there. And that's the scary thing. I mean, that's why I won't go on social media. I'm afraid of social media, to tell you the truth. Yeah. So does the rest of this ambient computing kind of freak you out? Yeah, it does. But it's here, to, it's coming, and it's here to stay. Well, you know, I think that's a great point. I mean, you can certainly be afraid of it and be concerned about what's going to happen. Look, if it's going to happen, you better make plans for it, and you better figure out how you're going to uh, res respond. Because uh, what one thing you shouldn't do is automatically embrace whatever changes are coming. You need to kind of think it through, I think, because... You know, uh, there's a downside to all this, and that's, uh, for example, the government having all your information, knowing more about you than you want them to know. And uh, we've seen that how that's turned out with regard to the Justice Department and the FBI. Well, that's right. Think about how much they already know about you right now. Yeah. Scar and that will only increase. And I think it will become much more personal information, much more detailed information because they can access more of how you live and make it, you know, sexier, easier. Uh, you, and you become more reliant on computers. Yeah. Well, think now, about this social, this social uh, ranking and uh, system that in China where uh, your behavior, if it's compliant, that will allow you to access certain things like airlines and uh, roads and travel and that kind of thing. But if, uh, for example, you tend to be rebellious or not uh, conform to uh, what they want, uh, they, then you lose access. You lose, in fact, you can lose your money. So uh, it's just, a, again, this this whole political side of it, the power side of it for, for politicians, it's a little scary. It is. I mean, and the stuff that's going on in China, yeah. I mean, doesn't that bother you? Uh, I mean, but they don't. Have, they have pretty much a disregard for human rights. I don't think it exists in China. No, people just disappear. Well, people are disappearing here too, so it's kind of it's kind of creepy. So, uh, you know, Boo, I really appreciate your bringing these issues to our attention. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure. All right. Have a good day. You too. Thank you, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence is one of only 97 restaurants worldwide to receive Wine Spectator's prestigious Grand Award, and they've received it for the eighth consecutive year. Blue Provence Restaurant is temporarily closed for renovations due to damage from Hurricane Ian, and they look forward to serving you again in the near future. In the meantime, you can enjoy their grand award-winning wine list with unbeatable prices on more than 2,500 wines by visiting Blue Provence Fine Wines at 1234 8th Street South, Monday through Saturday between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Check out the vast wine selection by visiting Blue Provence on Facebook or visit the easy-to-browse website blueprovencefinewines.com. Visit blueprovencefinewines.com or if you need help, you can call Jacques directly at 239 239- 821-6772. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services LLC, can help. With the exclusive confident retirement approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239 325 1041. That's 239 325 1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, we are bringing you news and information to help you enjoy your life here on the Paradise Coast. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Seton, I, I, I failed to turn up your microphone. I apologize. Hello there. <laughs> you're, you're here now. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. Tell us about less government. Well, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and government doesn't. Boy, they're fighting hard, aren't they? It's like any yeah. bureaucracy, as uh, uh, Weber, Weber said. Uh, you know, they after a while they just uh, just fight well, to survive. I said, I, I've always said government is like it's just another organism, and like any organism, its first uh, instinct is survival, and its second is expansion. I think that's absolutely true. So you wrote a great column, yet more big tech cronyism, Congress further gutting patents in devious fashion. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, we've talked a lot about the 2011 America Defense Act, which did a lot of damage to the patent system in the United States and thereby our economy and our future. And, and you know, it very much disincentivized uh, inventors, especially small inventors, from, from continuing to do their work because the chances of them profiting from it uh, were eviscerated yeah. by that law. Well, we're the, of course we're not we're about to go into a lame duck session of Congress because Congress can't pass anything on a normal schedule anymore. And one of the things that has to pass, it's called must pass legislation, is the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. And what these weasels do is they slide legislation as a rider on the must-pass legislation because they know they don't want to debate it as a standalone bill and vote on it as a standalone bill because they'll be on the record voting for this garbage. 
So they have a bill, and I've forgotten its stupid name. I forgot to look it up before the call. But it's a there's only one there's there's one way left basically that patent holders can defend themselves, and one way they can get paid for their patents because now it's it's so easy to sue patent holders. It's 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 it's, a, it's as as an article I read said, it's almost a fiduciary duty of a company to steal the patent rather than pay for it because it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. And and so the, so the, the only way they're getting paid now, the patent holders, is there, it's called the trebling of of damages. If you can prove they purposely and knowingly stole your patent. They triple the damage amount. And so what is this new bill that they're slipping into the NDAA? They're, you know, Trojan horsing in on, on the NDAA. It, it, it basically, and on one other important thing, the only way they can protect themselves is a lot of small patent holders have to get together and create patent portfolios. Mm-hmm. And that way, anybody who wants to take out one patent has to sue a bunch of different people because it's all it's in the patent portfolio. Well, the new law would cap damages, which of course takes care of the trebling issue. You can't triple your 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 payoff when someone knowingly steals your patent, and it requires notification of the formation of these patent portfolios. Wow. So they have to they have to preemptively say we're forming these this portfolio. We have, they have to publicly announce it, which gives, which gives the patent thieves a heads up. So they quickly file suit. Well, they first file PTAB uh, challenges, which before what, what they basically do is they challenge the patents before they are part of a portfolio, so it's easier to knock them down and steal them. It's just, uh, just uh, it's uh, to me the little guy is. Re- it, this is just, I don't think what you just described. It shows how cronyism works. Congress is getting you know certainly the uh, congressmen are receiving uh, money from these companies and uh, the you know they they tend to go along with whatever suggestions they have with regard to uh, new laws and legislation and this is the result that you get. Yes, as I've said now for a long time. Nothing happens in D.C. unless big tech wants it to happen, and that's both you know that's both new legislation and rescinding old legislation. And nothing happens unless big tech wants it to happen. This is this is literally it, it's like picking up the spare in bowling. Big tech got the American Mets Act in 2011, and then the, the poor little patent guys said, "Oh, you know," they, they kind of scrambled. And said, "Oh, look! If we form, you know, portfolios, if we put our patents together. It makes it a little less, diff- little less easy to steal, steal yours or mine." Right. So now, now big tech is going back to Congress and, and noticed this trend and noticed this this way the patent holders are defending themselves and just are literally writing a law that says. Let's take care of this problem. This, this has arisen as a result. You know, they found it. They found a loophole in our in our patent killing bill. So let's kill the loophole. And I think you said that this is being planned for the lame duck session after uh, November the eighth. Yes. Well, they're not going to. I mean, they're, they're certainly not going to do any legislating legislating between now and next Tuesday. Right. So they haven't passed the defense authorization yet. They haven't 
paid for the military yet. That is, that's that's deemed must pass legislation, meaning it can't it, it can't be voted against. You, you have to pass this legislation. So when you amend it with stuff like this, the congress the congress people are are loath to vote. No, they'll vote yes on the NDAA to to fund the military and swallow whatever's attached to it, even if they don't like it. That's a pointed question. Do you think it would be helpful? This just popped in my mind, and this may exist, and maybe it's just my ignorance that uh, that's showing here, but uh, that any congressman or any senator would have to list any organization that gave them more than, say, $5,000 oh, to the they campaign. Oh, they do. I mean, they do. Look, they passed a law that said they had to disclose every stock transaction they do. Yeah, but where is it posted? I mean, it should be posted so that all people have access. Well, I think it is. Do you know where it is? Nobody, nobody I, pays attention. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's not exactly like they're advertising it. Well, no. I mean, I, don't, I mean, what do you want to do? Force them to take out ads? <laughs> um, no, I want them to. I, I want it. I want it to be prominently displayed. Uh, for example, if you, any congressman, anytime you have information on them, you should have some sort of a link that connects you to where they're getting well, their money. Look, with the internet, of course. Uh, uh, disclosure and transparency should be a very easy thing. Yeah. But they, you know, they passed a law called the stock act saying they had to list every single trans transaction, stock transaction they engaged in. And, but the fines are like ridiculously small, like a hundred bucks or 300 bucks. <laughs> so, so they don't disclose, they don't disclose their two, two and a half million dollar stock transaction. And if they get called on it, because of course, they're responsible for calling each other on it. Well, if they're all in on it, no one's going to say anything. And if they do get popped on it, oh, I made $2.5 million, here's my $300 block. Yeah, unbelievable. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Tomorrow we have terrific guests. Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute, former chairman of the Cato Institute, and now uh, senior fellow emeritus at the Cato Institute will be with us, as well as Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, will join us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at dot, hotmail.com. Bob Harden at Hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you tell your friends. This is one of the ways that we expand our reach and reward our advertisers. And without our advertisers, we wouldn't have a show. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.